I am. <laughs> I'm excited to be up here and to be able to uh, just share some things that God has been putting on my heart. Um, and, you know, I think it's really interesting because <laughs> I live with pastors, pastors Christian and Pastor Aaron and, um, and obviously Pastor Paul. And I think the past three weeks, I've been able to see the preachers prepare their sermons. And I hear one week, you know, Pastor Erin go, oh, this is so hard. I feel so convicted, you know, because she was uh, preparing her sermon on um, procrastination. And then it was either the week before or after when Paul was preparing his sermon, he was going through the same thing, you know. And I found myself in the same uh, chair, seat preparing and I was like man I don't know if I can preach this you know it's so hard and I think as we think about wisdom it's um it really is so pervasive it really there's nothing that we can't say about wisdom because I think in all of the details of our everyday life uh we make so many wisdom calls and yeah and so I feel really privileged and um so thankful that I could share a little bit with you on um, on wisdom today. So let's pray before we jump into our word. God, we would be so lost and so foolish without the revelation of your word. And we just thank you, God, that no matter how many times we have read certain truths in scripture, but we thank you that they are so deep and so profound, Lord. Our hearts can barely contain the truth, um, the depth of it, God. And we thank you, Lord, that your truths lead us, they direct us, and they bring us back, Lord, and they reorient us to to you and to your ways. Lord, um, I thank you that you're giving me this opportunity to uh, to preach your word with your people, and we pray, God, that the word that goes out today will be helpful, that it will build everyone, us, all of us up um, in the ways that are um, just honoring to you. Lord, I stand here not because I have mastered um, over this area of my life, God, but I stand because, Lord, it's an area that, um, yeah, God, that we can all really learn um, from and continue to grow in. So, pray that the authority would come from the demonstration of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Would you convict the hearts of those who hear and that it would really fall and land on good hearts, good soil. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Today we're going to look at several verses all throughout the book of Proverbs. And I don't have a lovely PowerPoint presentation prepared for you, as Pastor Paul did the other day. So, um, but yeah, if you guys have your Bibles with you, just have it on your lap. And if you like to refer to it, uh, as I, you know, refer to some of the passages, you guys can, you, you can feel free to turn your pages. And I will actually ask you guys to do that along the way. So you guys can just have your scripture open to the book of Proverbs. Um, So one of the one of the things I think you know, uh, as Pastor Christian mentioned at his very beginning, the first sermon that he preached of the new year, he's going to be going over, and pa- other preaching pastors will be going over some of the uh, wisdom areas. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. And one of the things that 
I have thought about the ways that God has been teaching me wisdom in my life is uh, wisdom of words, H- how, how powerful they really are, um, really thinking about how we use them with one another. And I think it caught, some of you guys are already laughing, but, you know, I think in my conversations with some of you guys and even just hearing in passing, um, and somebody who really does, I I really treasure words and I I love, um, you know, I just love words. I love finding new definitions. I love languages. And I think for someone who's very sensitive to words, I have been observing, too, that there are some people who are very... um, straightforward, you know, with unrestrained, with, you know, with speaking, whatever you want. And then there's some people who are really shy with really voicing themselves. And I think I fall into both categories. Um, And and so, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted all of us to look at um, wisdom of words today. (laughs) And I hope that some of you will feel convicted. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of looked up on the internet, right? How much, how many words does an average person speak on average a day? And I don't know how reliable uh, these studies are, but multiple sources have said that on average, you know, some, there are debates. Some, some say women on average speak about 20,000 words a day, right? 14 to 20,000. Some, and, and you guys will be shocked. Men, speak on average 7,000 words a day, <laughs> right? And, you know, obviously it's a stereotype, but, you know, it is also some proven studies sh- uh, show it. Um, and then another source said, no, you know, actually men and women speak about the same. But most of the sources that I have encountered, I've, I've, uh, I came across that, that, yeah, there's a rate difference of 7,000 for men and, you know, somewhere between 14 to 20,000 for women. And, you know, some women try to justify that by saying, well, you know, women also have much more social active lives. Like they go shopping, so they ask many more questions, whereas men, they probably don't need to do as much shopping. Or, You know, so all these gender, uh, gender stereotypes really came to view um, in these studies. But that's pretty amazing. If you think about how many words we actually speak and use each day, whether it's 7,000 or 20,000, even 7,000, that's still a lot, right? Um, and, yeah, and... I want us to just take a moment right now, just ask yourself, are you ever thoughtful about the words you speak on a daily basis? In your conversations, are you thoughtful about what you say? You know, um, or are you one of those people who feel really uncomfortable with silences that you feel the need to have to fill in those silences, right? There are a lot of us who are like that. But whatever spectrum you are on whether, you know, you are, uh, very wordy or not, we all use words. We all either give words or we receive words, right? So, yeah, and, and, and so I think this affects all of us. And the first place that there's so many places in Scripture where it really talks about the power of words, and one of those places is in James 3. Let's actually go there, put your finger in the book of Proverbs, and let's turn, turn to James chapter 3. And I'll read from the ESV verses 3 through 6. It says here, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. 
Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So, this, this is a pretty powerful imagery of, uh, of our tongues, right? And it starts off in verse 3 by first giving us a depiction of a bit and how, how a bit is used to control the horse, right? And then it goes on to t- t- giving us even a, uh, a, another imagery of a ship, how it's controlled by the rudder. And if you think about it, the um, similarity between these two imageries is that there's a small part that really, that's in proportion to the size. The the small little instrument has this great power to control the entire course, entire direction of where it will go. I mean, think about it, right? A bit put into a horse, and a horse is strong and heavy, right? But it's controlled by that bit. Right? Even a ship. Imagine like Titanic. Okay, Titanic crashed, so maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> okay. But imagine a huge ship, right? And this rudder is it's so small, and yet that will guide the course of where the ship will go. Right? It's small and yet it's powerful. And just like us, our tongues are not very attractive, right? It's small, right? It's in proportion to our bodies. It's relatively a small instrument in our bodies. And yet, the small tongue really can set our life on a path of righteousness, on a path of life or death. So how we speak matters because how we speak will set us on a path of either life or death, okay? And we see this in Proverbs 18.21. It says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. All right? Oh, actually, you know what? When I want you to uh, look up something, I'll tell you to look it up. I, I'm, I don't want to lose you just because we're going to be lo- going through a lot of scriptures. Um, but yeah, Proverbs 18 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you see, what we say, how we say it, the words we use, it's really, it's going to really um, matter in the way that it's going to bring life or bring death. Okay. All throughout Proverbs, you know, I, I, I did a study uh, in the book of Proverbs, and I just looked through everywhere. I, I did a search on just wanting to read everything that had anything to do with mouth, tongue, word, words, you know, lips, everything, right? And it's crazy how many verses there are on um, uh, what Proverbs has to teach us about words and speaking. And I tried to look at it in two paradigms, in, in the way that it gives destructive power and the way that it gives us life-giving power, right? Some of the ways that words really bring destruction in our lives is that it really ensnares us. It says that our, our own words become our own snares, Right? It sets us in a trap. 
it traps us and it destroys us, right? And it kills us, right? In Proverbs 17, 20, one of the verses um, that shows this is, it says, a man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. See, when your tongue is dishonest, when you are not speaking truthfully, it has a way of leading you into calamity, into destruction, right? Or words that seduce. We use words to even seduce and allure and to really bring people into trap. And what happens? There, are, you know, there is a handful of verses in Proverbs that talks about men or people who get uh, enticed because of smooth-sounding words. And what happens when, in reality, when that really happens? We see broken marriages. We see affairs. We see men falling into traps. You see, the words that we receive, words that we hear from other people, it has a power to really ensnare you and bring you into destruction, right? But on the other hand, we also, we don't only see power, the power of destruction. We also see the power of life, okay? Words give life. It preserves life. And it sustains us. Words bring healing, right? We're going to look at it more later in the way that uh, words really bring just uh, renewal and sustenance. We're going to look at that more later. But I wanted to sort of lay out the ways in which we can look at the power of words. Words are meant to either destruct and destroy and kill, or it's meant to really renew, bring life, and give life, okay? Yeah. One of the uh, let's all turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Okay. Chapter 12 verse 18. See, when we think about words, we have to recognize that we all have a tongue with which to speak, right? That means that the words direct our life. But I want us to understand two things, okay? While words have the power to direct our own course of life, the words that we use also have the power to shape other people's life. So I want us to look at that right now, okay? How do the words that we speak and use shape and influence other people's life, okay? Proverbs 12, 18, here it says, reckless words pierce like a sword. Okay. I mean, I think all of us, all of us can relate with that verse. We know it resonates. We know what it's like to have received reckless words that really cut deep. Right. You know, there, uh, one of the commentaries um, said, one of the commentators said that, there's a difference between what is done to you versus what is done in you, right? And this is one of those places where we see reckless words that really drive in and does something in you, and it pierces. It really wounds, right? They scar. Once you, it's, when, you, when you take a sword and you stab someone, you can take it out, but you're not taking out the, the, the cut, the, the wound. It remains, right? And so we see that they pierce. You know, one of the, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this because, you know, if my twin sister heard this, she would probably get really sad because, um, I mean, for me, I'm over it. But for her, she gets really sad. 
I, I have a twin sister. I'm an identical twin. And yes, we have an older sister, so three girls in our family. And when I was a freshman in uh, college, um, Pastor Christian will tell you, and maybe Paul too, right? When I was in um, high school and college days, I was very, um, very liberal and very like not all about, you know, this wanting to be a stereotypical girl. And I just was, I didn't care about looks and image. I never had issues with body image. If I gained like five pounds, like just weight and numbers never really um, were important to me. Uh, But when I went into college, (laughs) freshman 15 hit. And, you know, honestly, I, it didn't really bother me. I, I don't even think I was aware. I, I, I just, it was very, I was clueless to my image. Um, and then, you know, freshman 20, 25, I don't really know exactly what the number was. But what happened was I went on missions with Pastor Christian, and he led our entire team. And um, on my first week on missions field, I got bit by a, a, a dog, like not a cute dog, but a street dog, kind of, right? And this was in China. Um, and it was a pretty vicious bite where the dog took a chunk of my flesh out of my thigh. So it was actually really bad. And, um, I, yeah, but you know, what? that's a testimony. I never felt pain, not even once while that happened. And even the healing process, I never felt pain. So anyway, um, so I was bit by this dog. <laughs> I know you guys are like shocked, but that's not the point of the story. The story goes that. So because I was bit, I was not very mobile. I had to be on crutches, and um, I couldn't be active, you know. And, uh, yeah, that healing process probably took for, I don't know, went on for like two months completely for it to heal. And I couldn't do anything. I wasn't allowed to sweat in that area because, you know, on my thigh, if I sweat, it would get infected. And they stitched me up once, and then they brought me back to the hospital. This is all in China. And then I, they had to reopen it because they didn't want it to grow infection. Anyways, all these things, right? And after missions was over in China for three weeks, we went. We came to Korea for a Korea conference. Um, and, you know, the the I guess the bite, the opening started to kind of close close in. So it was getting better. Um, and I was really happy because now I could move around more. I could be a little bit more active. But the point is, already with my freshman 20 or 25 or whatever, I, I was very inactive. I couldn't move. And so my theory is that I probably, I probably gained on, like, you know, a few more pounds. Then when I went home, my mom hadn't seen me for good, like, four or five months or something like that because I went to school in New York, and my parents are out in L.A. And when I went, my parents are very loving. Like, they never speak. They, their words never express any judgment. You know, they're not very critical parents and I've never ever uh, heard my parents ever make a comment about eating or weight or anything like that um but when I came home one of the first things she said to me was she was just so shocked and she looked at me and I was like oblivious I was like hi mom you know and her her one of her first comments was oh you don't look like my daughter you know (laughs) but I was like shocked. I was like, what? But like, I was confused because honestly, my reality was I didn't gain weight. I didn't really think I, I didn't know I did. Right. Um, I was seriously very oblivious and clueless. I didn't really care. And then it finally hit me. And then the the reckless, those weren't reckless words. Those were just words of confusion. Like, why is my mom saying that? Right. Um, so that's her words weren't reckless, but when I went to the gym, so I have a twin sister, right? I guess my twin sister was dating a guy. So I guess she was more 
like, I guess, self-conscious or, I don't know, she just maintained herself. Um, but again, like, I never, com- we don't compare each other. So I don't look at her and think like, oh, did I gain weight? Like, I don't know. It just kind of slipped my mind, right? But we went to the gym um, nearby our house and we ran, we ran into an old friend from high school. And he saw us, and <laughs> I still remember this. He saw us, and, you know, we were very happy to see him. Um, it's not like we were very close, but anyways, he he's very, I to, my uh, remembrance of him, he's very, um, he's not, he's not very suave. He's very, his words are very all out there, you know? Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm not surprised he said the words that he did. But when he saw us, he said, Oh, oh, Jane and Angela. Angela's my sister's name. She's like, oh, no, I can finally distinguish you guys, you know? And he said, and, and, and I could laugh about this now, right? But, but I'm sharing it because I want to really share something from my life to tell you how words were, could be really reckless. Um, but he said, he said, you are the fat twin and you're the skinny twin. <laughs> okay? And, when he said that, I've never been called fat in my life, right? And, and you know what? That's okay, right? Like, but when he said you're the fat twin and you're the skinny twin, for the first time, I remember feeling really judged for my parents. And you know what? Here's the thing. I thought about it just today. I bet you 20 other people probably thought the same thing. He, he, because if it was obvious, I'm sure they all thought it, right? But maybe he was a person who, who was just foolish enough to actually say it. Okay. <laughs> But the point is, the point, and you know what? His words really pierced. Like, I, I could really laugh about it now because that, when I look back, yeah, I don't know how I had gained so much weight to a point that it was everyone knew, I guess, when I was oblivious. But anyway, and, and when that guy said that, I just felt extra sting because it was not only a comment about me, it was like a judgment, comparative judgment with my twin. And now is now saying, it's like saying, you know, who's the, you know, every time you meet twins, I think people always talk about who's a prettier twin, who's an uglier twin, who's a fatter twin. And, and I was actually shocked when I talked to my other friends, they said that they, those conversations always take place when they talk about twins. But I was like, wow, that sucks. But anyways, and so, um, yeah, but you know, I wasn't depressed or devastated for me, actually, even though it really hurt, I kind of woke up and I was like, really? And then I mean, and then I lost like 25 pounds that summer. I did, right? Um, because it was, I guess I realized it was unnatural weight for me. But anyways, you know, I never forgot that moment because the look on my twin sister's face, she was so hurt for me. She was so hurt, like probably more hurt than me. And for me, I was just like shocked. I was like, I cannot believe I just heard this, you know? Um, and for him, it was a stupid stupid, silly comment he made in passing. And the point is, how often do we use words in a moment in passing to be funny or to just be aloof, but that moment remains even a lifetime for one person? I bet you this guy, he probably doesn't even know this, right? But really, even though... I'm healed from that, right? I look at that moment, I just think, wow, that was really hurtful. And I still, I thought about what were some of the most reckless words I've ever received, and that was the first thought that came to me.
because it was reckless. And I think in the beginning, that my motivation became, you know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I don't want to be ever called that anymore. I don't ever want to be compared to my twin anymore. You know, all those, like, self-paranoid, you know, very mean uh, thoughts start to motivate me. And I, and I think we could look at this guy and point the finger at him. But can we be real? What about us? Somebody could actually say the same thing about me, and I probably have said something stupid, hopefully before I met the Lord, <laughs> right? <laughs> but how often do we use words like that? Like for us, it's just a stupid rambling and passing. But they cut deep for some people, right? Right. So, yeah, words, they can really be reckless to a point that it cuts deep and penetrates, okay? Um, Another way that we use words really recklessly, recklessly is by, is the way we, name calling, you know? I mean, when you, I get, re- I'm really sensitive with words. Okay, now everyone's going to think I'm so sensitive, right? <laughs> no, but even, even when you say things like stupid or like, oh, you're so stupid, right? Or you're so dumb, right? Um, when I hear, man, when I was, uh, when my, when Paul and I were doing youth group, we would hear teenagers just straight up call each other names all the time right and for to them it doesn't mean anything and that's what the culture has become is that now like saying you know like the f word is like using i don't know some kind of a slang right but they call each other the b word like it's like hey man what up b right um and and they just toss these words like it's nothing right and and even jerk like, I hate that word, actually. I really don't like it because, you know, like, I think it's a J pronunciation. It's like, if it was like Merc, <laughs> right? If it was, he's such a Merc. Like, maybe that doesn't sound as bad, but when you put the J in there, it's like, he's such a jerk. Like, it just sounds so mean, right? Anyway, so when I hear the word jerk, for me, I kind of cringe. And I, like, look, I'm like, oh, is something happening? You know, unless like you're really sweet, like, oh, he's such a jerk, you know, (laughs) but yeah, um, yeah, we really use these words. Um, and I think that it, it takes a life of its own. Um, parents, I think about, you know, yeah, parents who are not very, uh, careful and thoughtful about the way they use words with their children. How often do parents also tell their kids, man, that was so dumb. Why did you do that? Like, they just say these mean things. Like, you're so stupid or you'll never, you'll never be good enough, right? And name calling, labeling, all these names really have a way that begins to shape a person, right? And, yeah, so calling ugly and calling, like, these mean names, they can be really reckless. They can really begin to determine a person's own ideas about his or her own identity. And that's why, you know, when you come to New Philly, we find that out when you go through H&D, I guess, right? (laughs) No, but really, like, having grown up in that kind of environment where you just receive that, I mean, physical abuse, you know, there are so many different forms of abuse. But I think there's something really dangerous and scary about verbal abuse. I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, I, I know, um, I know from personal experience, 
right? That words can really tear down a relationship. Not only a relationship, words can really tear down a person's dignity. Um, yeah, I, I have, I've been very, uh, my family is very careful with words. Um, by that I mean, when I got married into Paul's family, I learned that Paul's family is much more, culturally, they're much more like, they say what's on their mind, you know, they don't, they don't really filter things, they're very just straight up, like, you know, if, if you wore something ugly, they'll just be like, oh, that's not very pretty, you know, <laughs> they'll just say that, or like, if, if you, if I made something and it's too salty, Paul's dad will just be like, oh, it's good, but it's, why is it so salty? And I'll just be like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> like, I can't believe he just said that, right? Um, whereas my dad, he'll probably be like, oh yeah, you know, um, maybe it'll be better if you put a little more water, you know, like, like, you know, my, <laughs> so I saw a huge contrast between Paul's family and my family. But one of the things I love about Paul's family is like, there's just no hiding. It's just like it is. And so I never have to guess like, and there was a time when I was first married and I was like trying to figure out what Paul's dad and mom really meant. And I'll be like, she said this, what does she mean by that? You know, he's like, I don't know. That's what she means. And I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like stressed out because you know, like my parents, like if they say something, there's always, there's, there's a way you, it's euphemistic, right? Like you say it in a way that's hard, easy to receive, but then there's a lot of implications. So you have to really listen to what they're not saying. Cause that's what they're really saying. Right. Um, and you know, the, the powerful thing about words is that we all have thoughts, but words clothe our thoughts. You know, it's kind of like I can have a, I can have a thought in my head, but once I actually put clothes to that thought, it becomes a reality. Right. And then I begin to actually believe that and it becomes even stronger. My perception is now, my thought becomes reality. My reality now becomes my distorted reality somehow because of the thoughts that we use, the words we use to clothe our thoughts. And yeah, we do this all the time. When Paul and I are talking, sometimes Paul will be like thinking, and he's like, he's like talking and he'll like, he's, he'll, he'll stop himself. And I'll be like, oh, never mind. I don't want to say anymore. And that, they'll drive me crazy. I'm like, no, 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 what? Tell me. Right. And I know why he said that. It's probably because he, it's not going to be good or edifying or whatever. Right. But I want to hear it anyway. <laughs> so I'll bug him. I'm like, no, no, just say it. And I'll even guilt trip him. I'm like, honey, you made me curious. Gosh, why did you do that then? You know, <laughs> but you know, he'll do that. And, um, he shared with me once that once he puts, he, he's like, you know, I don't want to say it because if I do that, I'm going to think about it more. And I was like, okay, fine. If you really don't want to, you know? Um, but yeah, our thoughts, once we actually give words to it, they take a life of their own, right? I mean, think about the way words are used, even in communities. We're talking, first we talked about how words really can direct our own life. And we're really looking at how words that we use can shape other people's life. But that means it also shapes relationships and communities as well, right? I mean, when we, even in, in Proverbs, it talks, there are places where it talks about, you know, gossip separates close friends, right? Um, how many times do we see the way that gossip spreads and it becomes so infectious that it could really tear down 
a community and church. I saw this happen in a, in a church that Paul and I served previously where it's not even the truth, but, you know, one of the things that an elder wisely told me in Paul is, you know, um, it's just one or two or even three loudest people in the congregation who are the loudest because they're the most vocal. And that the gossip that they spread, it's so infectious that it can, though, begin to have a lot, take a life of its own and begin to grow and really tear down communities. And that's also how when you, once you start putting words to your thoughts, even like speculations and it starts forming into gossips, they're not even true, right? It, because of that one lack of control, it can really destruct and shape people, hurt people in the church, in communities, right? And that's how powerful our words can be once we verbalize them into, our, uh, into words. But as I said, um, yeah, those are the ways that we really see words being used in destructive ways. But words also bring healing, and it renews and it revitalizes. Okay. Let's turn to Proverbs 12 and see. Uh, look at verse 18. There it says this. It says, um, the second part says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, right? And in, you don't have to turn there, but even ch- in chapter 16, verse 24, it says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Do you guys know what it feels like to be that person who gives words that bring healing to people? Have you ever given a word to someone and they're just like taking it like, wow, it's, it's so good for me right now. Do you guys, have you ever experienced that? Right. Um, recently, you know, I don't mean to share so many examples, but you know, right now, uh, yeah, I think the safest examples I could do is my own marriage. But recently I said to Paul, when we're going to bed one day, I really meant it. And I said to him, we were talking about something, but anyways, as we were sleeping, I said to him, Honey, I love your soul. It's so beautiful, right? Uh, <laughs> why are you guys laughing? <laughs> I really meant it. Like I saw his soul, and it was so beautiful. And I was like, honey, your soul is so beautiful. <laughs> okay, are you guys laughing? Because that's not a really uh, something you say to a man. But anyways, but yeah, you know, but when I said that I meant it, and he was so like, his eyes lit up. And I was like, why is this so surprising to you? You know, because to me, I really meant it. And I was like sleepy, so I was like about to sleep. Five minutes later, he's like, honey, I can't believe you said that. Like, he was still thinking about it. And I was like, wow, like, I gotta come up with more, you know, like affirmations. But, I, I, you know, I was really, um, I felt so encouraged to see that because to me, I just spoke the truth of what I really saw. And he, and he said, no one has ever told me that, right? I mean, I'm sure he's gone like, I love you and things like that. But I guess maybe I just said, your soul is so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and he just, he really received that, you know? And I saw like just healing take place. Even in that moment, I saw, um, confidence growing in that moment. I saw 
joy rising, you know? And I was like, wow, God, that was such a, un, you know, it was not a very uh, deliberate thing I was going to say, but I said it. And Lord, I thank you that, that I could say that and he receives that, right? And I love that I could do that for him. And I love that we could do that for each other. I love words. You know, I want to challenge you right now. How do you, do you ever speak words not, that not only make people laugh, right? Words that not only, you know, um, you know, where you just bond or talking about the same things, but words that really speak to you and just bring you hope and just encouragement and you just feel so affirmed. And if you don't, why not? How do you use your words to bring life to people? That's a question I'll leave to you. Okay. So as we are, we, we talked about the power of words. Now I want to focus on few traits. Okay. Under the heading of the flavor of words, right? There's so many ways we can think about, oh, what should words be like? How should we speak? What's the manner in which we should speak to one another, right? And so I want to, I want to look at the flavor of words, um, by looking at some of the Proverbs. And if you can turn with me to Proverbs 10, 32. Okay, here it says this. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting or acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Okay, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. The first thing we see, I want to point out is that uh, words have to be apt. Okay. That word acceptable in the NIV, it, it's translated as fitting, right? But in the, the original word really means delightful. It means pleasing. It has to. So what it's saying here is that, you know, the, when we speak words, we can't just speak words whenever we want, right? We can't just speak words uh, because we think it or because it's true, or because it's right. This aptness that we see, we're seeing here is that it has to be acceptable. It has to be fitting for the right occasion. It has to be delightful and pleasing to the person who's going to receive it, right? Um, so, you know, some of the questions that we can ask here is, do you, do you use your words in an attractive way? Do you use, attractive not in the, you know, not in like, you know, uh, like seductive way, right? But do you use words in a way that makes people want to hear it? Do you move people with your words? Do you, see, apt means you're going to craft your words in such a way that the person who's going to receive it, it's customized for them, right? So I like this idea of not one size fits all, right? One of the things that I learned in my counseling training is the way you counsel people you don't do, there is no such thing as one size fits all because we all come in different shapes and forms, right? So if I were to ever speak to one person, um, like to Sam Kill, right? Maybe the way in which I'll speak to him will be, you know, different from the way that I speak to Jamie or, you know, to, to Aunt Annie, right? It has to be really um, apt for that person. It has to be customized, Okay. It also means it has to be, um, you have to, you also have to choose the right time. 
It is so hard to choose the right time to speak. And the reason why I thought about why is this. I think one of the reasons why it's so hard is because we really don't have self-control. Like in the moment, if there's a thought in my head, I really want to just shoot it. My agenda right then and there is I need to speak it. There's no waiting. There's no withholding. I need to just say it because it will bug me. It's, it's, actually, it's very selfish, actually. Right. So for instance, like if, if, if I notice something, if, you know, if Paul and I, we have so many times where I'm growing in this area currently, I'm working on this issue in my character, in my life right now. But if we're going, if we're like, you know, in the middle of a conversation or if we're interacting and he does something or he says something, right. Or whatever. And I'm, I'm being sensitive and let's say I hear it the wrong way or I just see something and I want to say it. My immediate reaction is I need to say it right now. Like, because I'm all about wanting to fix problems. I'm, I want to like, you know, like put down the truth and be like, did you see what you did? You know, I want to like, I want to be corrective. I want to rebuke, right? Because there's a part of me that's a little bossy right? and I just want to like get it out there. But I've learned over and over again that even though it might be true and right, the question is, is Paul in the right place to hear it? And he's in the same for me and he showed me so much grace in, in areas of our marriage where he has maybe waited a week to tell me something, right? And then now I'm in a much better place to receive it. See, I realized, I thought about why it is so hard for me to hold my tongue. And it's because my agenda says what I think is the most important thing right now, so I need to get it out there. Or I think he needs to or she needs to fix this. I need to be the coach and I need to be the problem um, solver, right? But this verse tells us that the lips of the righteous, we're able to discern not only how to say it, but when to say it, right? Right time, okay? You need to adapt it to the right time. And sometimes this is hard. I think this is really hard, not only because we lack self-control and we don't know how to be patient, but I think because we take matters into our own hands and we don't know how to wait on God. Right? When Paul and I are planning things, um, there are times when he's so meticulous in his planning. Some, sometimes I feel like, let's go. Like, I just feel like I need to drag him. Like I just want to start making decisions and go, go, go. Right? Sometimes I feel that way. And you know, for him, it's like, no, we need to ask God first. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, how long is that going to take? Right? Like, like, that's my raw thought. Like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you just got to go, right? But you know, I've learned a lot, actually. <laughs> you know, I'll ask him a question. Like, honey, what do you think about this? What should we do? Like, let's, let's pray. And I'm just like, oh, okay, you know? Um, but yeah, I think asking God takes time. And taking time means that we need to wait. And waiting means we can't further our own agenda. And so it's, it takes, it, it's, it's very hard. So when you speak to, into people's lives, when you speak to your friends even, and you want to kind of call them out, or you want to like say certain things, what is your process of how you approach that? Do you just sh start shooting things at them because you, it's, it's on your, at the forefront of your mind, you need to say it? Or do you know how to wait 
on the Lord for the right time. You know, I think there are times when you just, you need to speak truth, especially if you're in positions of leadership and God has given you that, you know, um, leadership and you're keeping them accountable. There are times when you need to speak truths, right? Right then and there, it needs to be spoken. But, you know, in other relationship dynamics with friends or even family members, with coworkers, I think we need to know what is fitting. That means what is right for that person and what is apt. When is the right time? Okay. And I love this verse. Okay. It says in verse, chapter 25, verse 11, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. You know, it's like golden apples in a setting of silver. I want to be that kind of person where when I speak, it looks like golden apples on a setting of silver, right? I want to be so polished in that way. I want to be able, I want my words to be like art, you know, where, you know, you could tell when you, when you hear people who are very, not only eloquent, but who are very diplomatic in the way that they say things. Um, I have a, I have a, yeah, well, anyways, there are certain people whose writings you read and you could just read more and more. You could hear more and more because it is, it's beautiful. It's well crafted. And I think that in our busy, busy culture, we don't really take time to really craft our words in a way that is beautifully, that is beautiful or that is well received. Some of you guys might be thinking, oh, come on, give me a break. Are you telling me I need to make my words exquisite and make it beautiful, you know, like in my everyday conversations? I, and I'm not saying that, I'm not suggesting that that's what we do, but I'm suggesting that, you know, it's got to have some kind of flavor, though, of aptness and um, of, you know, well-made uh, golden apple type on setting of silver. Okay, so the second, we looked at apt, okay? And then the second thing I want to look at is truthful and honest. In, ver in chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Okay. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Not only in this verse, but multiple other verses throughout the book of Proverbs, we see you know, honest lips, truth, truthful lips, things that are righteous. And, you know, the, there isn't, the word honest isn't really prevalent throughout the, the Old Testament, but words that are associated with the idea of being honest is things that are truthful, things that are righteous, things that are straight, right? And, you know, the, when we speak words, one of the things that we want to keep in mind is we want our words to be truthful as opposed to shaded truths as opposed to false, something that's false or deceptive, right? And we want to be able to speak words in truth, in truth, and, and in love, right? So, you know, as I was talking about before, um, I think that sometimes we mistake that speaking truth to people we love means that we're doing a good job because we're speaking truth to them. But I love one of the ways that I've heard Keller put it once. He says, truth and love, they must go hand in hand when you're speaking words. When you speak words only in truth and without love, it's just coldness. But when you speak words in love, but without truth, it's cowardice. 
you must have love and truth. Because think about it, right? For those of you who have no problem speaking the truth, it's very easy. Um, yeah, like what, like for me, I, I really like improving and I like growing. So I, I really like it when people that I do trust will tell me what I need to fix and work on. Because for me, it's about like, I will get better at it. Right? I'll improve. Um, and so for me, sometimes I tend to think like that with people too. Like I kind of want to tell them, I feel like it'll be good because then they'll know what's wrong and they'll be able to work on it. Sometimes I think that way. <laughs> Some of you guys are looking at me like, what? You're crazy. But you know, I think why not? Like, because if we're on this journey of wanting to get better and grow, um, that's, that's, I, I forget that that's not the way everybody thinks. And I've experienced so many times I've, I've had to learn where, especially with my youth group kids too. Like, I want to just tell them how it is and be like, dude, you need to fix that. And there was no love. And Paul will tell me like, honey, the spirit that, the way you said it, it was, and then I'll regret it. I'm like, oh, you know? But I, I've learned that it's actually more harmful to have those moments where you speak truth to people because all they're hearing is your criticism. All they're hearing you is doing judging because there's no love. And I've learned that, you know, speaking truth for people, it's not just a matter of getting better. It's not a, just a matter of becoming, you know, a more, you know, just um, a more self-improved self. Like that, that, that's not the goal. The goal always has to be to love. Okay. But love as well. Sometimes I struggle in this area, area as well of speaking the truth in love, but without truth. And I think some of you guys know what that's like. You the most important thing to you is their approval. And so you actually have a really hard time speaking truth to them. So it's easy for you to love, for you to speak in love and just encourage and, you know, but you can't speak truth. And that's cowardice, right? In order to do both, you, in order to speak truth, you need both truthfulness and love. So, I, you know, that's one of the ways that I, I hope for us to grow is to be a people, mature men and women of God, who know how to speak to each other both in truth and in love. Yeah? Um, another, another way that we uh, can think about the flavor of words is they have to be, words have to be sweet and gentle. As opposed to it being harsh. Okay, uh, verse, chapter 16, verse 21 says, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasive, persuasiveness. Okay, in another, uh, in another verse, it says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. And um, in chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay. So this, we're, now we're thinking about the way in which we speak in either sweetness or in harshness, gentleness or harshness. This past mon- Monday, Tuesday, uh, Pastor Paul had to fly out to do a visa run to Japan, literally like a one day. And on our way back, there were these, babies, toddlers crying, like right behind us. And it was getting really annoying. (laughs) 
like because especially because the parents weren't doing anything about it but they were they were getting they were just crying nonstop and I remember my intuition was to and they're Jap they're Japanese so I don't speak the language and whatever my intuition was to like turn around and say and be like shh you know like let them know like be quiet you know um and actually one person on the plane did that turned around got really flustered and made this really loud noise and with you know he held his hand up and he was like shh and I was like oh man right but does a baby actually listen <laughs> right I remember looking at that moment and for in my head I kind of laughed I was like wow that's so funny because how frustrated is this passenger that that he needed to express that because he couldn't help himself <laughs> but it's only going to make the matters worse, right? You don't ever look at a crying baby and yell at them, even though that's our intuition. Like, even though you, our intuition is to, to be harsh because the baby, it will stir up their, it will provoke them even more. It's going to, it's going to make them cry. And this is so hard in uh, mature peer to peer relationships is when you get really annoyed and flustered and really frustrated, wisdom calls us to do what's counterintuitive. See, our flesh tells us in that moment to yell, to, to use words of harshness, to either prove them, to prove them wrong, right? Or to whatever your agenda is, we want to act on our negative fleshly emotions. But wisdom says in that moment, so foreign, gentle words and and you can break a bone and you can win the heart of a king with gentle words that's really powerful but why do we not do it because it's so hard i struggle with that so much because it's so counter to who i want to be it's so counter to what i'm feeling in the moment you know um it's it's really hard it's literally arguing with someone let's say you know, God speaks to me and says, gentleness. And I do sometimes when I remember God telling me that in the moment, I do feel my blood temperature, like my actually like going down and my heart stops to race. And I, I feel that physiologically and it helps me cool down. But it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's really hard to Stop yourself in the moment of anger or frustration when you're feeling like you're really boiling. And then to answer someone with gentleness. Right? When's the last time you argued with somebody and all of a sudden in the moment, they're like yelling at you like, or accusing you like, hey, you know, what are you talking about, man? I didn't do that. And your answer is, let's talk about this later. <laughs> right? Like that's so not natural. Right? Um, and so gentleness, I think, can look very differently. We all can make that look differently. But the challenge to you today is this. Turn your, be counterintuitive. Do what is counterintuitive according to what the word tells us today. Is don't answer with harshness, but with softness. That softness is gentleness. Right? And that harsh do you know what, when you, do you know how you know when your words are harsh? That harsh, literally, it means to inflict pain. So if you're going to use words to actually hurt people, 
Here's a test, a test of how you know when your words are really harsh. Okay. Here's, I'll ask you something. You, do you try to put people in their place? Okay. Do you want to belittle them? Do you want to prove that they're wrong? Right. When you are speaking out of those agendas, your motives, it's out of malice, right? It's out of harshness. It's you're causing pain. You're speaking to cause pain. Okay. So ask yourself when you're speaking, am I promoting, um, you know, anger and, and hurt and pain for that person? Or am I furthering gentleness and sweetness? Um, and another way you can actually check to see if your words are harsh and malicious is ask people around you or someone you trust, do you think, or do, you know, you can ask, do you, or even other people, do you think I'm the kind of person when I speak, do people feel tense around me? Do you feel like you're walking on eggshells when I'm speaking or when we're together? And if, if the answer is yes, sometimes, well, here's the other thing. I think some of us are way too sensitive. We need to learn to, we need to learn to not, you know, you know, throw pity parties and cry. Okay. But I think that there are some of us who do really speak, um, rash, like harshly and maliciously. And when we do though, we are not without, um, hope. God leads us into a place of repentance where we can ask the Lord for forgiveness for, for hurting people with words, but then also have a humility actually to own up to what you did and to be able to actually invite that other person into a place where you can apologize, where you can, um, you know, let them know, Hey, we're fellow sinners. We're still growing all together. Right? So there is hope for both. And then, and you know, there's some of you guys who are thinking like, yeah, I've, I've been hurt by words and whatever. Yeah. They need to change. But my challenge is, can we also be people of grace that show graciousness? Can we be people who cover their sins, multitude of sins with love? Can we be people who honor our people around us? Because you know what? If Jesus was in front of us and he spoke truths about us to us, would he speak it all just in truth without love? Would, you know, he wouldn't. And we want to be like Jesus. We want to show grace to people who are, um, yeah, who are struggling in that area as well. Okay. Last thing I wanted, I want us to just consider is, um, I love this verse in chapter 10, verse 19. It says, when words are many, sin is not absent. Okay. So we, we talked about how words should be apt. We talked about how words should be sweet. We talked about how it should be, you know, full of grace and not malicious, right? We also see here that words should be few and not many. Don't you love that? Where words are many, sin is not absent. Okay. Yeah. When we, when I find myself rambling and rambling, sometimes I have to, with a friend about some, like, you know, we're talking about something. I have to remind myself, man, I got to just stop right now. And I just encourage you guys just stop talking when you feel like you're talking too much. 
When you already feel like you've said too much, just stop. I know some people who said a lot and they tell me, man, I said too much. And then they just go on and on to justify why they were talking so much. And then they actually start saying more things that they shouldn't be. So you know what? Where words are many, sin is not absent. Let's restrain what we say. Amen? Um, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up now. But last thing that I, I want us to just remember is that, you know, what, what marks our faith, the Christian's desire to change according to these wisdom, uh, what we see in the book of Proverbs, what marks us different and distinguishes us from the world is that we're not just wanting to change behavior. The secular world says, yeah, do this and do that and that. But God, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words can only, are only a reflection and manifestation of what's already in our hearts. And that's what makes, that's what should make Christians different. That we are not here looking and examining only at what our behaviors are looking like, what, not only what, what our words sound like, but hey, why are we the way we are? Why are we saying the things, why do we say the things we do? Look at your heart. If you're speaking words of malice about someone, you could, Tell yourself not to do it, but check your heart. Is your heart filled with love for that person? Is there grace? And so I encourage all of us, right? Let's not look at these things as just to-dos for morality's sake, but let's be a people who really want our hearts, our words to come out of what's in our hearts. Amen? All right, uh, let's pray. You guys can just close your eyes with me. You know, as I was um, just praying for this sermon, I felt the Spirit really just, just speaking to me and saying, there are a lot of people, there are some people who haven't forgiven and who haven't really um, shown grace to people that they've been hurt by because of harsh words or because of, you know, jokes or sarcastic remarks, but they were just saying it in passing and yet other people, but you took it to heart. And I want, if that's you, I want you to just go before the throne of God and just ask him, ask him to heal you and, and remind you that the powerful word that God spoke to create this world, God has declared over you that you are everything you need to be, that there's no lack in you. So let's just take a moment and to pray. Just seek God's face in this time. And for the other group of people, if you really, you know, I'm just praying that some of you feel convicted that, you know, maybe you didn't take words seriously as, and that it's really powerful. Can you go before God today and just ask him to give you wisdom about how to utilize words 
in your everyday conversations to build up people, to love people. Let's pray.